This is the Saturday Morning Serial Podcast with your host, Amanda Ann. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Serial. I'm Amanda Ann, and today is finally the podcast I've been waiting for all year. It's for Loki. And I got my boyfriend Mike here, and we're going to talk about the whole series and everything and all things Loki. So Loki is just a fan favorite with everybody, and he's Thor's brother. He was in Thor 1, Thor Dark World, Thor Ragnarok, and he was the main villain in Avengers. And Avengers is actually, like, one of my comfort movies, so... (laughs) The series takes place right after Endgame, and he just... As many of you know, he takes the Tesseract and then he just disappears and we don't know where he goes. And as everyone knows, I mentioned in earlier podcast episodes, I'm just a really big Tom Hiddleston fan and Loki is just one of my favorites as well as everyone else. And without the fans, this show wouldn't have happened. Tom wouldn't have been able to have his own show to headline. And this actually was directed by Kate Heron. So we have a powerful female director as well as written by Michael Waldron. And I believe he worked on Rick and Morty. And I kind of see some of that in the show, which is interesting. To kick off this discussion, we're going to start on episode one, which was called Glorious Purpose. And this episode just ripped me apart because it was basically like a therapy session for Loki. He meets Mobius, who is played by the fantastic Owen Wilson. I love Owen Wilson. I've watched a ton of his movies from the past, and it was just so great. Their dynamic and their energy together was just, it was epic. I love those two together, and their friendship was just so legendary. And basically, Mobius is an agent for the TVA, which is what, it's kind of like a bureaucrat system. They picked up Loki when he disappeared with the Tesseract. So Loki is now in the TVA's custody and Mobius is kind of like an agent of sorts and he wants Loki to help him catch a dangerous variant. But in order to kind of get to Loki, he shows Loki like his future life, the death of his mother Frigga, which that part was just like, oh my god. And then also like Odin dying and then all the way up to when Thanos kills him. So... It was a great episode. Yeah, the TVA is this sort of like time travel control authority bureaucracy and they they exist solely to maintain the sacred timeline, which is whatever the the timekeepers deem worthy to be in line with time. So, So Loki is of course picked up right after escaping from Avengers Endgame and he is set forth on this mission with Mobius after kind of getting a retrospective on his own life, but also a future retrospective because it's events that haven't happened yet. So it's very much like a Christmas future situation where he sees what he what he will become. So even though Loki does get uh, redeemed eventually and does try to kill Thanos, he does die, and that is still not something that the trickster god wants to happen to him. So Mm -hmm. he decides to team up with Mobius and they're going to go track down this other variant of Loki. And who knows a Loki better than a Loki? Yes. And Mobius too, just, he knows how to get to the core of Loki. And it's like, I, I watched an interview just recently of Tom and he said something like, 
you got Thor, you got Odin, who are just like, no, Loki, stop. Like, you're being ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. But Mobius sympathizes with Loki, and he just kind of sits and listens. And yeah, I guess you can say, like, Mobius does egg him on for a couple things, but I feel like it's kind of like a tough love approach because Mobius knows Loki. He knows what Loki's capable of, and he just he just knows like he just sits and listens to loki and eventually loki comes to terms with and i really liked how mobius was like do you like to kill people do you like to hurt people and just like really you know just drilling into loki and eventually loki's like i don't like hurting people it's just and then you learn it's because he thinks of himself as weak that's why you know he did everything in the avengers and everything and he comes to terms with that Especially when he finds out in the TVA that magic doesn't work. And he also finds the Infinity Stones there. Yeah, the Infinity Stones have been the big MacGuffin throughout the entire couple first phases of Marvel movies. And they've been built up as these items of infinite power. Time, space, power, mind, reality, and soul. So... They each have their individual powers, and so he, when Loki is running around the TVA after he escapes Mobius's custody, he stumbles upon a uh, this guy named Casey, mm. who is is very strange because he doesn't know what fish is. I love that. He was threatened by Loki, who who said, "I'm gonna gut you like a fish," and he was just like, "What's a fish?" So that's that's one of the first small details that something just isn't right here with his TVA. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and he stumbles upon these Infinity Stones, and they're essentially paperweights at this um, Time Parents Authority. And it's in that very moment that, although it's, it's really funny, it's also a huge moment for Loki where he realizes that the TVA is the most powerful entity in the universe. And they're not to be taken lightly. Yeah, Mobius asks, because, you know, Loki gets the Tesseract from Casey, and Mobius is just like, did you try to use that? And Loki's like, yeah, several times. <laughs> you know, he just admits defeat at that point. But I do want to point out a couple honorable mentions as well is Wumi Masako. He, she plays Hunter B-15. She's the one that takes Loki in. And I really enjoyed her performance, especially in this first episode. She's just... A powerful just like hunter and it's another great example of female representation in some like i feel like it would be like a male dominance thing just in any like the army and military police force so it was nice seeing a woman especially like a woman of color as well being like the front forefront of the tva and like the hunter i don't really know what they're called but just like kind of like a hunter agent type of thing that the tva has also, Gugu Mabatha Raw, she plays Judge Ravona Renslayer, and yeah, she's shady as heck right off the bat as well. Yeah, she's very much friends with Mobius, and she is the uh, TVA's direct link to the uh, the Timekeepers. So only she talks to the Timekeepers, and everyone else kind of just follows her orders based on what she says. So it's very much a he said, she said, telephone situation. Yeah, I, and I also like to, like, Loki egging her on, like, oh, who who do you answer to or whatever? And she's just like, the timekeepers. And I'm like, this is so, like, 
She's just brainwashed. She is just, she's hiding something. I don't know. Because it, it, to me, it's just kind of like when you're, I don't know, like Santa Claus, like your parents going, Santa's coming. Like, I don't know. It was just shady right off the bat. But also, changing gears here, the the set design for the TVA as well. It had a very vintage, but yet futuristic look, like it worked. And then another thing I really enjoyed was the rendering of the TVA's, like, it's kind of like a main network when Mobius and Loki are, like, on, like, a kind of like a balcony and they look out at the whole entire TVA system. That part was really cool with just the rendering and modeling and all that. Yeah, the the TVA, the interiors, very much looks like something that the people in the 60s would think would be futuristic. It's very a retro futuristic design. And the exterior kind of looks like uh, some type of like ant farm in the clouds. It, Which it could be the same city that we see in Ant-Man and the Wasp and in Ant-Man in the Quantum Realm. But we can't, we can't be for sure. But yeah, very much super futuristic outside. You know, flying vehicles and spires and towers and multiple layers and different architecture. And then the inside is very much like a uh, 60s futuristic DMV. And even to to go along with the set, Natalie Holt, the composer for the score of this series throughout every episode, worked like her music and just the score in general worked so well with each scene. It was like one of my favorite parts of the series was the music. And I really cannot wait. I believe she has one, two, and three out on iTunes and Spotify. And I'm really hoping she comes out with the rest of it because I really enjoyed it. And again, Tom Hiddleston, outstanding performance with the emotions of this episode. Like just how he just went from crying to laughing at the part of him and Thor together to like anger and just like he has like kind of like a malice look to him when like the part with Thanos comes up. And I mean, Tom can change facial expressions so well, like at the drop of a hat. And he just, he needs all the awards, in my opinion. I mean, he was just, I can't even speak highly enough of him. <laughs> so then at the end of episode one, we are met with a shadow figure who is taking out TVA agents. And it's a cliffhanger into episode two. Episode two called The Variant. Just, it pretty much picks up right after episode one. Loki has joined up with Mobius and he's actually learning about the TVA. And I know for work, I have these things called learning carts that I have to do like a couple times a year, just, you know, as like a check-in. And um, it was funny seeing Loki doing kind of like a TVA version of a learning cart with Miss Minutes. And that, Miss Minutes, by the way, uh uh-uh. I do not like Ms. Minutes. And she's voiced by Tara Strong, who I grew up like with a fairly odd parent. So she's kind of like a well-known name. Yeah, immediately. And I know like a lot of the fans called Miss Minutes bluff right at the start. And it's funny because Loki is actually reading a jet ski magazine that Mobius has. And we will come back to that in a little bit. So Mobius gives Loki a jacket and is like, come on, let's go. We got a variant sighting. So it's pretty funny to see like Hunter B-15 giving like a mission debrief for everybody. And it's interesting because Mobius is like, okay, we're hunting a variant and it'll look like 
him and he points to Loki, but he also brings up different variants of Loki. One's like a Jotun Loki with like blue skin and all that, which by the way, I think they kind of just like threw that idea away of him being a frost giant because it's like, they don't ever come back to that in Dark World, Ragnarok, and yeah, they kind of just blow over that fact anymore. Yeah, and then, if the, if he really was a frost giant and he is casting this illusion spell to change his skin color and appear more human, when he stepped foot in the TVA, it should have ceased to exist and he should have been blue. But that's kind of a nitpick thing. I would understand why an actor wouldn't want to be in makeup or why... Uh, someone in After Effects would want to, you know, be last swing around a, a mask oh, all day. And it's just so funny in this whole episode, too. Loki just tries to keep his dignity and keep working his silver tongue, but Mobius doesn't buy it. And I love that. And they go to a kind of like a Renaissance fair to look at the, like, evidence of the variant. <laughs> he tries to trick Mobius and the TVA agents, and Mobius is like... No, I can see right through you, dude. <laughs> so that part was actually really, um, it kind of just set the thing where Mobius is not dumb and him and Loki are kind of like on the same level of just when it comes to being clever and thinking ahead. Mobius actually gets in trouble by Judge Renslayer. The scene changes to in her office and we see a lot of relics. We see she's got a pen from like a, it's a high school from Ohio, and everyone I know was freaking out about that. <laughs> yeah, and her and Mobius, they are friends, and I feel like she really emphasizes with the friendship she has with Mobius, especially in the later episodes. We get into this thing that it, the TVA prunes and resets the variants, and pruning is basically like kind of erasing someone from the timeline, right? And then resetting would probably just be they didn't really get into that though did they i kind of view resetting as well you would prune a person and you would kind of erase them from the timeline but i believe like the resetting you would do at like uh a like bigger level like you would reset a place so you couldn't just poke your stick at every every blade uh every blade of grass you know in mm -hmm. a field you would You'd have to, you would set this charge and you would turn on the detonator and it would explode and it would erase it would set things back to the time before the variant showed up and disturbed things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Judge Renslayer, she's all about the pruning. She has her very own pruning stick, and I'm actually going to kind of rewind because I forgot to talk about the beginning of this episode. We get introduced to Hunter C20 played by Sasha Lane, and her and her team of field agents like i said i think they're just kind of <laughs> police tva police tva popo and she encounters the variant the variant kind of um like enchants her or i call it possession but you know that's just me <laughs> and uh so hunter c20 turns on the other agents and starts fighting them and we see the shadow figure come out and she's behind it all and they play i need a hero in the background that was funny <laughs> Loki and Mobius, they're just trying to figure out 
where this variant could be hiding in the timeline, the whole episode. Their conversations, once again, are just fantastic. And <laughs> I like the part where Mobius just kind of lets Loki loose in the library. And Loki's just kind of like mocking the situation like, oh no, don't tell me that they caught the variant or that they didn't catch the variant. And and then <laughs> the librarian telling him to shush and he turns around and shushes her. <laughs> that part was hilarious. And then the salad. Yeah, it's kind of like a trope in sci-fi movies where people will explain things and they'll, they'll either hold a piece of paper and they'll cut it and then they'll tape it at one end and uh, flip it and they'll call that, oh, that's a Mobius strip. You know, that, that represents uh, the flow of time. Mm -hmm. Or they'll explain things, you know, with like figures or they'll, in, in the case of like Back to the Future, they'll build like a whole scale model and then... They'll have like little stand-ins for the car and the people, and then they'll apologize about not painting it or whatever. But yeah, and then Loki and Mobius have this kind of discussion about how how the variants work and everything, and about apocalypses. Mm -hmm. And they they discuss it and they explain things using a salad. Mobius's lunch. <laughs> Mobius's lunch. Yes. And that's the apocalypse. Oh, <laughs> I could push Hawk off the bridge. There he goes. And Mobius is like, the salt is Hulk. Like, he was just... And then at the end, Mobius is like, oh, dang. Like, you actually are on to something. But for a second here, let's just talk about how there's, like, a bunch of 90s references going on, especially in the drinks during this part. Like, the Boku juice, and then I think the soda was called, like, Jasta's. Those were 90s drinks. Mobius has that 90s jet ski magazine on his desk. So immediately, you know, people are like... They have to be brainwashed. They have to be. Especially, like you said, my Casey. So bear that in mind going forward. So eventually, um, Loki and Mobius then, as soon as they, they're like, oh yeah, she's hiding in apocalypses. So they test that theory and then they go to Pompeii. Because Loki's like, bring me to apocalypse. And <laughs> Mobius is like, all right. But they basically figure out anything they do before an apocalypse will not trigger the TVA. So Loki makes just like a big scene in Pompeii before the volcano explodes. And that part was hilarious. <laughs> and I know like Mobius was getting so annoyed by Loki, but yeah, it was true. So Loki, he was right. And then they hurry back to the TVA and they do their research and they come to find out that they, the variant could be hiding at a rock smart in the future in Alabama during a huge hurricane. And it's kind of sweet because Loki and Mobius, they do take a little break in their research and they just kind of sit at the cafeteria and they're talking. And Loki asks Mobius about the jet ski magazine. And Mobius, he loves jet skis. And he's just like, it's just the coolest thing ever. So immediately fans are just like, we need Mobius to be riding a jet ski at the end. And it's just... I think it's just so sweet how he just, this guy just loves his jet ski. So again, I think the TVA at that point has brainwashed these people. So they get Judge Renslayer's approval and then they go and then they find the variant. I also want to applaud the post-production team on that scene transition into the Alabama hurricane. That was one of the best scene transitions I've seen in the MCU. So applause to them. Although I felt the approach to this part was pretty cool, especially with like a guy in the middle of the store buying plants during the hurricane and Loki's like, that's me. 
Like, so you can tell the Loki variant has these other people, like, under their control. So that part was interesting because Loki, like, immediately knew that the variant was behind that. And the variant was talking to him through these other people. It was just like I said, it's kind of like possession in a way, but it's just kind of a spell this variant knows, and we learn about that further. And finally, Loki and the variant, they fight. The variant fights through other the other people. Eventually, she shows herself, and she's Sylvie. So Sylvie's master plan so far has been to kind of subdue and kill all these TVA agents and uh, kind of loot their gear like The Last of Us style. And she takes all of their uh, reset devices. And while she's in the apocalypse in the future at this Roxxon Mart, she uh, she detonates them. And all throughout time, these uh, these devices go off at different places, some of which we recognize from the MCU. So they they all go off. And, of course, the TVA at that point has to react and they all jump out. Uh, to these to the places of detonations and they have they have things to fix because they're these those devices weren't supposed to go off there so they all run out to their stations and go to these new places and it kind of leaves the tva exposed mm -hmm. so uh sylvie is able to go after the tva and actually get pretty darn close to where the timekeepers are yeah it actually leads into a big cliffhanger at the end of episode two because she'll she, like, takes a temp pad and she transports herself into the TVA and Loki follows her with Mobius yelling at him. So this actually really kicked off the series. I know some people were kind of like, oh, man, let's get to the point. But honestly, this that was the moment where the series took off, for, in my opinion. Yeah, it was the point of no return. It was the end of the first act. And mm -hmm. the, the characters have made a, a choice that they, they can't come back from. This next episode is Lamentous One. It was pretty much, it was, I loved it. And I know a lot of people were just like, ooh, this is a filler episode. Remember, filler episodes are important because it leads off to things and events. It, it, uh, it can very much set things up and it does give a chance for these two characters who have been destined to meet to kind of uh, sit down and talk and kind of exchange philosophies and backgrounds about how they are different. Yeah, and so we learn more about Sylvie, who is played by Sofia DiMartino, and Sylvie has become a favorite of mine. I love her, and it was just so nice to see these two characters just get to know each other and form a bond. So, and basically, these two characters are put in a situation, and the story is saying, get to know each other, because you're going to need each other in the future here. And I just really like their fighting. They're, they're just kind of like brawling at the beginning. They're not getting along. And the dynamics uh, Sophia and Tom have is just so funny. And they complement each other very well, I think. And we learn that Sylvie doesn't consider herself a Loki. She's very adamant about that. Keeps telling Tom's Loki, don't call her Loki. So Sylvie's her name. We just have to bear that in mind going forward. And I feel like, in my personal opinion, she's not a Loki per se. I feel like she was maybe, because in the comics, she's the Enchantress, and Sylvie Lushton is, she's made by Loki and given his powers. Like, he just wants a mortal on Earth. So, maybe that'll be explained? We don't know. But yeah, going back, the humor and the comedic cues, they were just so funny between them. 
And there was just some jokes that I didn't see coming, like Loki using his shape-shifting abilities to, like, sweet-talk a woman. He shape-shifted into her husband, and we thought, like, she would give in, but she was just like, no, you're not my husband. <laughs> that part was funny. And we actually finally start to see him use his magic in this episode, which was something we don't see a lot, especially, like, we saw it in Dark World, and we didn't really see a lot of it in Ragnarok. And a lot of people say, like, where was his magic in Infinity War with Thanos? So it was really nice to see him just starting to use that again. Uh, and all this great banter and chemistry is all happening, of course, in the background of an apocalypse. So uh, Loki and Sylvie are stranded on this planet as they use the, the temp pad with the apocalypse uh, locations in it. They get to this location in Lamentis, which is going to be blown up by a moon that's falling out of orbit. And they realize that they can't power the temp pad to get out of Lamentis. And they're, they're going to, they only have a certain amount of time before this moon hits them Majora's Mass style. So they have to find a, a power source and they have to fix the temp pad. So that kind of sets out their quest. Yeah. They have to get on a train to go to an arc, which will take off from the planet. They sit down on the train and they do have like a conversation. They get to know each other. And this was actually one of my favorite parts of the whole series was we learn a lot about Loki. And for one, as I put in my review here, he's a mama's boy. And the way he talks about Frigga is just so great. And I loved it. And I mean, I love a boy that loves his mama. Like, it's just... You know, we learned that she taught him magic, the whole fireworks out of his hand. I love that part. Also, and this was where it was just so great to see the representation, was him and Sylvie confirmed bisexual. And it was a win for the LGBTQ plus community. So that was really, really great to see. And we learned, like, in the past, he could have had both girlfriends and boyfriends, but nothing worked. And or it, a horse. Or, Yeah. But it's like Tom says, Loki has to love himself before he can love anyone. And that's true in real life. You have to, like, accept yourself and before you can love someone else. And then we learned that Sylvie, she said she was involved with the postman. But I think it was just kind of like, yeah, yeah. And then she also confirmed that she was adopted and that her parents told her right off the bat and she doesn't remember her mom. So, again... We wonder exactly who she is and where she came from. Also, th this part was hilarious, was that Loki drank and got drunk. <laughs> and <laughs> he can sing as well. And the song he was singing was kind of like a Norwegian, a lot of people call it like an Asgardian song that he was singing. And good for Tom. He's got a, he's got a chart-topping <laughs> single out now. <laughs> and... Uh, but it was funny because Sylvie's just like, what are you doing? Like, stop being so goofy. And it was just so good to see Loki just, like, let loose and have fun. And I loved when he smashed his glass and was like, another, just like Thor. And I just, I loved it. So the guards on the train come to find out that Loki and Sylvie aren't supposed to be there. So there's a big fight and Loki gets thrown off the train. And he's holding the temp pad that Sylvie wants. And she jumps after him. And she gets angry, and he's just kind of like, oh, crap, I pissed her off. <laughs> and then they just kind of talk, and then they were like, okay, let's go find the Ark and hijack it so we can get off this planet. It's basically what the episode was all about, was that Loki took Sylvie's temp pad 
Sylvie wanted it back and she was trying to cast it out of Tom's Loki and it was a good episode I thought it was very very necessary and that leads into episode four which is the Nexus event the beginning of this one it basically picks up right after episode three and Loki and Sylvie at the end of episode three they weren't successful I need to call out though the camera shots at the end of episode three, how it was just one take. Did you like the the Spielberg Warner or did you not like it? I liked it. And I really got a Last of Us vibe. And I know Kate Heron, the director, is a fan of that. So, and I know, Mike, you play those games. And it was just how Loki was just like, come on, Sylvie. And for me, it just felt like a video game, like watching. It was just great. It was just action packed and just... It flowed so nicely together and the effects. Oh, and Loki stops a building with telekinesis. Where did that come from? Yeah, I guess we have, I guess tricksters keep a lot up their sleeves. And that was kind of like his last ditch effort to save himself and Sylvie from being crushed. Maybe it just came out of adrenaline. Yeah. Who knows? But they're unsuccessful and they just kind of accept their fate and then they... um, We learn more about Sylvie, how she was a little girl when the TVA took her. We still don't know why they did. And she's trying to find answers to why they did that. So she reveals that to Loki and Loki sympathizes with her. And the two of them share a little moment, which for us as the audience kind of came out of nowhere. That are they starting to fall for each other? Only in true Loki fashion would he fall for himself. (laughs) So when this planet is going to be obliterated. Yes. Whatever they were doing on that rock together caused a nexus event. Whether they were not supposed to die in that place and that was the nexus event or the fact that he fell for himself yeah. caused a nexus event. But in the end, the, the two tricksters are picked up by the TVA at the last possible moment. Mm-hmm. And the TVA is like, we've never seen a spike this high before. Because it's like when Loki and Sylvie held hands, that's when it went boop. <laughs> and they were like, oh no, there they are. <laughs> so they're picked up by the TVA, apprehended. Uh, Mobius is mad at Loki and casts Loki into kind of like an eternal time loop of a bad memory. And we see an old friend, Lady Sif. And I love Lady Sif. I was so happy that she came back. Yeah, Lady Sif comes back. And, you know, the first Thor movie, it only had one powerful woman, and that was Lady Sif. And now, going into, like, Thor, Love, and Thunder, we're going to have so many powerful Asgardian human women. We're going to have Valkyrie. We're going to have Lady Thor. We're going to have Sif. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're just going to be tripping over badass ladies in that movie. Yeah, and she basically, it's just a bad memory Loki had where he cut her hair and she is mad at him and tells him, you know, you're a lying snake, you're always going to be alone, kicks him in the nuts, punches him in the face, and it just keeps going and going and going until Loki's like, I've had enough. And for me, this part was just very, like, I again, Tom's acting was just right up there. And yeah. <laughs> But in a last-ditch effort to kind of get through to Mobius, Loki tells Mobius, the TVA's lying to you. Because on Lamentis, Sylvie does reveal to Loki that all the TVA agents are variants. Just like them. So, and Loki was like, huh, what? 
and couldn't believe it. But then it kind of clicks because Mobius has the jet ski magazine and he loves jet skis. And there's like from the start, there's something fishy about the TVA. So he yells to Mobius, you know, the TVA is lying to you, but Mobius does not believe him at first. Oh, and as a side note too, Loki cutting Sif's hair off is a nod to Norse mythology. Loki actually does cut Sif's hair off. And so that was kind of a great nod to that. Meanwhile, Sylvie is in a different TVA theater with Hunter B-15. But Hunter B-15 doesn't want to interrogate her at all. She wants to know the truth. So Hunter B-15 takes Sylvie back to the Rocksmart and tells Sylvie to show her her old life. And she does. So Hunter B-15, she knows it's all a lie. So that's kind of like a turning point as well. Because Hunter B-15 just, she changes her point of view on the Lokis. She's team Loki. And this is very important later on this episode. So after Loki just kind of had enough with Sif, Mobius comes back and brings him back in. And Mobius wants to know why Loki thinks that the TVA is lying to him. And Loki just tries to get through to Mobius. Eventually, Mobius, though, thinks he knows why that there was this big spike in the timeline with, like, their Nexus event. And it was because he accuses Loki of falling in love with Sylvie. And that sets Loki off big time. And for me, it's kind of funny because it's like you stop and think, this is 2012 Loki. This is the Loki that killed 80 people in two days in New York City. And now we just kind of see him just sitting there kind of broken in a way at this point and it's just it's so different but it works and at this point the story is just so good and it just keeps you wanting more and for me these episodes range from like 45 minutes to almost an hour that time goes by so fast it's crazy the emotional factor of this episode starts when mobius sends loki back through that red door where sif is But he takes it upon himself to go to Ravona. He kind of talks to her and then steals her temp pad and tries to figure out the truth, just like Hunter B-15. Eventually, Mobius does. He learns the truth, goes back and finds Loki, tells Loki, like, you were right, apologizes. And then when they come back into the TVA interrogation room, Ravona Renslayer's there. And she tells Mobius, you stole my temp pad, and she prunes him. And that part was just, like, Loki's like, no! And just, I hated that so much. And I think that just really made Loki, like, that that broke Loki when Mobius got pruned. So, eventually, Loki and Sylvie are taken to the Timekeepers, finally. The Timekeepers are the supposed masterminds behind the TVA organization. And they're, they've been sitting there forever, since forever, and forever just kind of sorting through time and select and saving the sacred timeline but uh as soon as we get up there it kind of looks sketchy because they do they do look like really high-end animatronics that you would see at like disney world or Mm -hmm. something and in a quick flick of the wrist sylvie just decapitates one and it is of course an android and it kind of exposes it just it's just everything that's that's exposed at that point but Ravana Renslayer is still drinking the Kool-Aid at that point it just for me it felt like i don't know if you listeners are familiar with captain eo from the disney parks but the timekeepers reminded me of something like you would see in captain eo even the voices 
and also felt like a Wizard of Oz vibe. I was waiting for like a chubby little man to come around from the curtain and be like, oh, Loki, what do you want? You know, just, but that didn't happen. But there was actually a big fight between Loki and Sylvie and the guards. And the blocking in that, the fight sequence in this episode was just so well choreographed and coordinated that I loved it. It was probably one of the best fight scenes I've seen in a long time in anything. Because we just saw Black Widow and those fight scenes were kind of like, meh. But yeah, so Sylvie, she decapitates one of the timekeepers. They find out that is just, there's more to it. Leads to another cliffhanger. However, before this cliffhanger, Loki gets pruned. Because it looks like he's confessing his feelings for Sylvie. And then he's just so caught up in his emotions, he can't, he doesn't see what's behind him. And Ravona Renslayer prunes him. End of episode. Or so we think. Uh-huh. There's an end credit scene. And we see Richard E. Grant as classic Loki, Kid Loki, and Alligator Loki, and Boastful Loki. So immediately, I was so excited for episode five, which is my favorite episode of this whole entire series. So Loki wakes up in this like post-apocalyptic city that kind of resembles New York in a way. And before I begin on this episode, which there is a lot to cover for episode five, the set design in this episode was amazing and there was a lot of easter eggs in the background like we found or i found thanos's helicopter and then i know the audience found that like the old avengers tower had like king's initials on it also frog thor makes an appearance and there's also the helmet for the ant-man villain yellow jacket Mm okay yeah, and yeah, but yeah, going back to Frog Thor, he's in a jar. We see like Mjolnir, like a full scale Mjolnir, and then Frog Thor is in a jar trying to get it out. Looks like it was confirmed that was Chris Hemsworth's voice. And as a side note, there were some scenes in the trailers that I was a little disappointed didn't make the cut into the series, like King Loki. And Kate Heron actually just confirmed that that was going to be part of the episode one flashback, was seeing Loki on the throne. And Frog Thor just kind of like hopping around. So really hoping they release that. I know there was talk that they might. So please guys, please release that. We want to see it. (laughs) But anyway. So Loki wakes up and is greeted by classic Loki. Played by the great Richard E. Grant. Which you can find him in like Doctor Who. And Star Wars was the recent movie that I seen him in. And then we have Kid Loki. We have Kid Loki played by Jack Veal. And then we have... Boastful Loki, played by Diobia Opare, and I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. (laughs) And then we have the most superior Loki, Gator Loki. I mean, Gator Loki is like the hottest thing out there right now. I mean, there's so much, I think there's more merch of Alligator Loki right now than our Loki. It's the new, it, it is the new Baby Yoda. It really is. Yeah. I love him. I thought he was great. It was just such a random but brilliant thing that they could have done in this. (laughs) And they, I love the connection that these guys have, especially like Kid Loki. Gator Loki is like Kid Loki's pet. I love it. I love the team up. Classic Loki. He's just kind of like a retired, like my mission's done, complete Loki. And he doesn't want to die, which it's, this is later called the void that Loki gets sent to. And the Lokis are pretty much like the only ones alive because Lokis don't die, as said by classic Loki. The eye in the sky, his name's Eliath, 
And I, I was telling Mike, I got like, I've gotten like the Cave of Wonders vibe from Aladdin with that because he just consumes everything that gets thrown into this void. And Mobius, we learn, he's still alive. He's in a little pizza car. And Sylvie, at the beginning of this episode as well, takes on Ravona Renslayer. And Ravona is trying to kind of stall Sylvie in a way. And Sylvie sees right through her. So Sylvie prunes herself because she's like, you know what? Wherever Loki got pruned to, that's where I'll probably go to. So she and Mobius team up, which is fantastic. I love seeing Mobius just like driving radically and Sylvie's like telling him where to go. It's a really good nod back to Thor Dark World between Chris and Tom during that spaceship part. And then they go look for Loki. And well, meanwhile, Loki just kind of tries to get questions out of this other group of Lokis. And we learn a lot of stuff about, especially classic Loki, how classic Loki is basically Tom's Loki, but he managed to survive Thanos. And it's kind of like a, I feel like it's kind of like a ha-ha to the Russo brothers, like, in a way, because everyone's like, why did Loki use a butter knife to kill Thanos? And classic Loki's like, knives don't do anything. You know, a Loki sorcery is prevalent, like... Nothing stops a Loki sorcery. And that's how he kind of tricked Thanos, was he cast an illusion of himself. And that's what we all kind of wanted our, like, Tom Loki to do in Infinity War. And that was kind of a theory everyone had. Yeah, because if you watch Infinity War, you'll notice, well, if you watch any Loki, any movie with Loki in it, you'll notice that Loki is right-handed. And when he does go to strike Thanos, he pulls his dagger with his left hand. So it would be kind of like a mere illusion. That's true. Yeah, I heard that. So eventually classic Loki, he kind of um, just kind of retires on a planet and um, goes and he's like, you know what? I miss my brother. So when he came out of hiding, the TVA got him. So he's been, you know, just on that void. And it's the set again is these Lokis kind of hide in a bowling alley type of thing with a bunch of stuff in it. And I mean, it's like the most random stuff, like arcade games. It's just, it's great. And Kid Loki is actually like the king of that land because he reveals that he killed Thor. That was his Nexus event. And our Loki's like, huh? <laughs> and then Boastful Loki, he apparently claimed all the Infinity Stones, which the other Lokis were like, you know what, you're a liar. And then Alligator Loki, he just growls. But I thought it's hilarious how classic Loki like kind of translates what Alligator Loki says. And so also we find more variants and we meet up with President Loki played by Tom as well. So it was fun seeing Tom playing two Lokis in this. But my little, little disappointment I have from this episode was they hyped up President Loki so much that he only appeared for like two minutes but he was an a-hole. Like, I loved it. Yeah, hand, hands off to President Loki. Yes. Ex- <laughs> and Tom can scream very high. He can go from a low-range voice to, because ah, he gets his hand bitten off, and it, that's hilarious. And then it starts out this whole Loki war. And it's so funny to see, like, our Loki just kind of embarrassed in the background. Like, oh my god, like, this is so bad. It, it's just in the nature of Lokis to betray, and even in a no-win scenario like that, they're still all fighting over the throne and to be king of basically Ash. Mm-hmm. They're fighting over nothing. They're just, they're just fighting over the mentality of power. And President Loki is betrayed by a different fraction within his group, 
and all chaos breaks out, and the new squad of Lokis just manages to just basically escape from it. Yeah, classic Loki, Kid Loki, and Gator Loki are just kind of like, just like our Tom Loki, He's they're just like, this is stupid. Like, we're outcasts, and that's how we're always going to be. But eventually they do meet up with Sylvie, and it's kind of funny how our Loki, Tom Loki, is just, he talks so highly of Sylvie, and... The whole time, he's just like, Sylvie, Sylvie, Sylvie. And the other Lokis are like, you lost your mind, <laughs> if you can trust someone. and But they eventually do meet up with Sylvie, and I know, like, Tom, Loki wants to, like, kill Lyeth. And Sylvie's like, no, I'm going to enchant it. And they share a really cute little moment under a blanket, and they kind of talk about, like, the Nexus event, because Mobius tells Sylvie, like, what happened. And, and to me, they're, like, teenagers just kind of in love, like liking each other in a way. And I thought it was kind of cute how Tom was just very shy with like the blanket and Sylvie was like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. Frost giants don't need blankets. It was just a ploy, silly. Exactly. Don't fall for it. Yeah. That was, yeah, because Loki's like, yeah, it's cold out here. And everyone's like, but you're a frost giant. But I can't remember who it was in an interview said it's just a ploy because he just wants to snuggle with Sylvie under the blanket, which I thought was adorable. So he stays with Sylvie and together they go take on Elioth and oh my god, this is Richard Grant's time to shine during this part. Classic Loki needs his own show or like at least like his own like short thing. Like I want to see more of him. He was just so he conjured up a whole Asgard to kind of um cast a distraction to Elioth so Sylvie and Loki could enchant Elioth but it was just so cool and then if you know Loki from the comics he's got this like manic laugh to him and Richard Grant got it down at the end and Elioth does eventually like get him so he's gone unfortunately but he just gave like a lasting impression on the series and we just want more and we want more Gator Loki so eventually Sylvie and Loki do cast an enchantment on Elioth and they kind of see like this castle through this cloud of smoke. And it's interesting because Loki was very like, I can't do this. I can't enchant. And Sylvie's like, yes, you can. Like we're the same. And they like grab hands and Loki's able to cast an enchantment. I was like, yes, like he got it. So end of episode five. And then we're on to the season finale. So the season finale is titled for all time always. And it picks right off of uh, episode five and it's sylvie and loki just going into the castle um so they go into this castle and it's it's very much you know kind of like the end of the matrix movie where they there's just they're you're just waiting for this person they have all the answers so they go in there and the very first thing that pops up is miss minutes oh. she jumps right at you right right out of the screen right at you i mean i'm pretty good with horror films and scary ghost movies but that scared the crap out of me yeah when she just popped up oh and can we say like loki and sylvie's like sword draw was awesome during that part it was just so in sync yeah loki's got himself a shiny new sword that was a gift from kid loki that was and cute. it's actually a sword that he can summon very much similar to thor's hammer mm -hmm. and it is set afire yeah and there's more of that in the comics, so that's pretty. It was pretty cool to have that because so, no more butter knives for him. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he actually might give Thanos a shave with that one. So 
And I'm going to just say this finale went different from the way. See, I kind of created like a narrative about this whole series in myself just because I'm a huge fan of this character. So it really like did not go the way I thought it did. Like I was adamant that it was going to be like King Loki behind all this, that he like created Sylvie and like wanted Sylvie back somehow, was trying to like lure her back. That wasn't the case. And I know a lot of people were saying that, oh, King the Conqueror is coming. But everyone was saying that about Mephisto in WandaVision, and he never showed up. Yeah, Mephisto, the, the, the devil never was in the details, and he never did show up. But as soon as Sylvie and Loki enter this castle, they are jumped by Miss Minutes, and Miss Minutes starts talking highly of her master, and she offers Loki and Sylvie the perfect ideal timeline. One where Tom Loki has the Infinity Gauntlet, and he's conquered New York, he's conquered Asgard, he's got everything he wants, and one where Sylvie joins Tom Loki and has a mind full of happy memories, and, like, this whole scenario never exists. Mm -hmm. But, of course, they they see right through this Willy Wonka rouge, and they uh, they proceed forward into the castle, and they're stopped right at an elevator and it's king it's king well well it is he who remains yeah so king well i guess it's a variant of king he he's kind of very flamboyant and he's been at this castle forever since forever and forever more so he's just been sitting there dictating the rules of time and what he's done is he has won the multiversal war he has committed massive slaughter on terms of universes. There was a multiverse, and this king has pruned everything. And he has pruned off all the different variants that have branched off of this timeline to protect this timeline from himself. So, king has pruned this timeline, and out of fear that the man who discovers the multiverse himself will travel to other multiverses, other timelines, and come with less than noble causes. Yeah, played by Jonathan Majors. He brought this, like, really goofy but yet sinister feel to the character. Yeah, again, major Willy Wonka vibes. You know, Willy mm -hmm. Wonka was very condescending and mysterious and a little bit of angry, and you just get that in his voice. You know that he is not to be trifled with. And it's just right up to the whole, like, you know, Willy Wonka when he tells Charlie, like, you won! You get to take over the chocolate factory! That's what he's doing to the Lokis. Like, you won! You know, now you can take over the TVA, just like you wanted. And they are met with two options. That they take over the TVA, like, they, you know, they win the whole thing, or they kill him and the timelines just all branch out and there's chaos. Yes, very much... Uh kill me and the come me king has very much seen how everything is going and he's one he's two steps ahead of these tricksters and he has all of their dialogue printed out on the script and he's just you know i knew he would say this i knew he would say that but i don't know time beyond this point and that's mm -hmm. when he offers them the decision take over my place so that i may retire or kill me and if you kill me you have to watch out for me coming in from another timeline to conquer. And I'm just going to take a pause here and just say, like, during, like, the middle of this episode, 
because we see like Hunter B15 and she brings her unit like she's you can tell her and Mobius are working together now and she brings her unit to the high school where Ravona used to teach and she tries to tell the agents the truth and then Mobius and Ravona kind of have like an altercation in her office and Ms. Minutes she's like getting some files for Ravona <laughs> and Ravona's like who is behind, like who who's giving me these files and Ms. Minutes just, you know, she's shady again. And her and Mobius, Ravona and Mobius just kind of like duke out like, you know, you were my friend and blah, blah, blah. Try to get across to each other. But Ravona just, she takes her temp pad and she just goes. And she's like, I'm going to find free will. So these two scenes, they just kind of didn't close out for me with these characters. And I wish we could have saw a little more of that. Because I was like, oh my gosh, this episode's almost over. We still don't have all these answers. Jonathan Majors was fantastic. Definitely carried this episode, in my opinion. And I just wish, though, there was more, like, a little more closure to these characters. However, there's, there's a catch to this. Meanwhile, Loki and Sylvie, they're just kind of feeling out he who remains. And Loki's like, no, he, he can't be lying. And that's big for Loki to see that this guy isn't lying because Loki's like I'm a liar I'm a trickster but this isn't lying like he's telling us the truth Sylvie is just so blinded by anger and revenge wanting to take out the person responsible for her kidnapping and she her and Loki just don't see eye to eye and Loki is visibly hurt by this and here's where the fandom is split <laughs> is where they kiss eventually they just don't see eye to eye and Sylvie just kind of She's conflicted because she, I don't, to me, I don't think, and Kate Heron actually confirmed it. She does have feelings for Loki and they did kind of like, she wanted, she pulled him into a kiss and then got the temp pad from King and sent Loki back to the TVA. And at first I, that did not sit well with me. The kiss, I thought that was like, it ruined it for me. And I was kind of mad about it for a little bit because I was like, oh man, she, cause I loved Sylvie and she just like straight up betrayed him. So, but it was brilliant at the same time. But, you know, thinking about it now, I'm just kind of like, you know what? No, that was actually kind of, it worked. It was cute. <laughs> but Sylvie's the one that takes down King and releases the multiverse. Yes. In kind of like a Houston, we have a problem moment. All the agents at the TVA are just sitting by watching the timeline and it just grows like weeds and bamboo it just it just goes crazy and there's branches upon branches upon branches and it is it is either the birth of a new multiverse or the a return to the original multiverse so lots of possibilities are now possible mm -hmm. with this storyline i was actually just like left really depressed after this episode ended because then like after she kills him and strikes him down and she just kind of falls and she's like, what did I just do? And Loki at back at the TVA, he is just so broken. I just, I felt so bad for him. Like, oh my goodness. But then he's like, you know, he picks himself up because he's stronger than he was at the start of the series. And he tries to find Mobius and Mobius and Hunter B-15 don't know who he is. So the TVA got reset after the multiverse was created Mobius, Hunter B-15, has no idea who Loki is. And the end of the episode, the end of the series, is Loki looking up to where the Timekeeper statues was, and it's replaced by King. It was Earth all along, you damn dirty apes! <laughs> Just such a big... Yeah, and he's now... You know, King is now going to be the new big bad. He's going to be the new Thanos. 
Uh, well, there'll be multiple kings. I imagine that the king that Ant-Man and the Wasp and possibly Stature fight will be a different king than the one that shows up in Loki Season 2. Mm-hmm. So... The king we we meet in the future could be good. He could be bad. He could he could have different motives. He could he could be anything, and that's very exciting. And as a person who's never seen uh, Love Lovecraft Country and has no idea who Jonathan Majors is, and you just see this guy, you know, hyped up by all these other these producers and these directors as like the next big guy, to see him just dive into a character and really hit the nail on the head with every be every every choice he makes mm-hmm. it was it was spectacular yeah and i know like when the episode ended like everyone's like oh here we go we're into the multiverse but i was like i wanted more closure from this series but then it's like mike said there's it's not really a credit scene but it's confirmed loki is coming back for season two so excited and it's kind of rumored i mean there's like rumors going around that he's going to be in doctor strange too and then I just saw one that he's going to be an Ant-Man. I honestly don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I don't see why he would, but there is always a possibility for Doctor Strange because I think in the comics he does team up with Wanda, if I'm mistaken, or somehow he appears in Doctor Strange. So I guess we'll see. And as far, like, I got just, like, so many theories about, like, Mobius and Hunter B-15 because they're when they're looking at these timelines branching out, they're like, no turning back now. I'm wondering if they went somewhere and there's like variants of themselves left at the TVA that Loki encounters at the end. That's why they don't know who Loki is. It's just another variant of Mobius and Hunter B-15. That's just my theory. And uh, so unfortunately, Kate Heron is not coming back for season two, which I'm a little sad about that because she, and like I said, this whole cast and crew, I follow a lot of them on social media and I just loved seeing their creative journeys with this series. And I'm really sad it's over because they were, and they were just so engaging with the audience as well. I know like Eric Martin, he was another writer on some of these episodes and he would get on Twitter and give us like a behind the scenes look of how the episodes were made and just talk about other concepts of the show. And I really loved that. It, it was just, it was the show I was waiting for all year, and now it's over, so I'm a little bummed. So, Amanda, what did you think that this show was going to be, and how did it change your expectations once you started watching it? I literally thought it was just going to be a show of Loki just going through different times in, like, life. Just, they were kind of teasing us about him going to, like, historical events. Like, well, we saw him in Pompeii, but then, like, other... We saw him as D.B. Cooper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. D.B. Cooper. That part was amazing. I loved it. He drinks Jack and... Or is it bourbon and soda? That's what he drinks. So that's his drink of choice on the plane. But I thought it was just going to be him going back in time to different, like, times in life and just switching up different events in the world. The way that the show sounded to me was that it was going to be, like, Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be Loki going around with... Uh, his companion, Owen Wilson, they were going to go to different timelines and they were going to go uncover the Loki of the week. Definitely, they hyped up the buddy cop system, like, in episode two. I thought it was going to be Mobius and Loki, the whole series, working together. But it's not the case. It's literally Loki and Sylvie. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Rick and Morty fan, and that we just saw them in Space Jam, by the way. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're watching Space Jam, well, keep an eye out for them. But... 
you know, Rick and Morty very much has individual episodes with story, and then they kind of do have small episodes that cross over with pre-existing storylines. And Loki does have a lot of behind-the-scenes talent from Rick and Morty. And what this show was, it was interconnected storylines, Rick and Morty style, throughout the whole show. I mean, it was on all cylinders with plot, with story, mm-hmm. with character development, Easter eggs. It was, it was all there. It was, it was the show, like Amanda said, that I didn't know I wanted. Yeah. I wasn't expecting like him to have like a romantic love interest either. So that was different. It's weird to see him kissing anybody. I know. It's kind of sad he wasn't kissing you. I know. I wish he was kissing... I, I mean, honestly, because he was confirmed bisexual, I would have liked to have seen him end up with Mobius. Maybe in season two. Who knows? Maybe he's just mad at Sylvie and, you know, whatever. I guess we'll see. As Tom Hiddleston says, only time will tell. The audience response of this show has been pretty good. I know Rotten Tomatoes, the show has gotten 100%. Especially the first two episodes, really. I think they kind of went on the decline with episode three and four. I don't know why. Probably because everyone was complaining it was a filler episode. Filler episodes are never unimportant. So, but overall, audience reaction has been fantastic. What do you hope to see in season two? You want to see Mobius and Loki together? And what else would you like to see? I just want to see them two team up. And I just want to see, I want to see more of Loki using his magic and just being like stronger than he's ever been. And plus, he's just a new... He tells Sylvie, he's like, I betrayed my brother, I betrayed my father, I'm not that guy anymore. Big far cry from Avengers. Like, he's done. He's done with that life. He knows he screwed up, and he's trying to amend it. So, maybe season two is just him kind of... And, oh my gosh, what if Chris Hemsworth appears in... I mean, I doubt it, but... I just... I need Loki and Thor to reunite. That's, like, my dream, but... I, I love Thor just as much, so... We'll see. <laughs> I, I really would love to see these kind of alternate storylines. I know we're getting a what if next month in August, mm-hmm. but it, it really would be a shame to not get one live action adaptation of like a completely alternate universe with like different takes on characters. That would really, really excite me, aka Spider-Man. 3. I know we were laughing because I was like, yeah, I really want to meet like if when Comic-Cons come back, if Sofia Martino comes to a Comic-Con, you know, I love her and I want to meet her so bad now, but Mike is just like, I'll thank her for if Andrew Garfield comes back in Spider-Man. <laughs> so, hey, anything's possible now that the multiverse is out. Yes, so getting coming down, well, going forward in the MCU uh, pipeline, we will be getting What If mm-hmm. in August, which will explore these different What If scenarios, alternate universes. Then, of course, we do get Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings in September. Mm-hmm. We get Eternals mm-hmm. in November. So excited for that one. And then we get Spider-Man 3, No Way Home in December. Mm-hmm. And I believe after that we get... Doctor Strange is in March, I think. We get Doctor Strange, and then we get... Um, Thor in May. Thor in May, and then I'm pretty sure Wakanda Forever fits in there somewhere, too. Yeah. So, very exciting things coming up in the MCU. Yeah, lots of different places for Loki to pop up again. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he will. I just don't know where. I guess we'll see. I'll be excited. Mm -hmm. And we'll be here uh, whenever Season 2 comes out. We'll be here talking about it, so stay tuned. My whole life will be revolved around that. And also, the merch, too, has been 
coming out and the Funko Pops are on pre-order. We got those. Yeah. Still not enough Gator Loki merchandise. We have just about a shirt, a bag, and a Funko Pop. Yeah. I really want a plush. Yeah. Well, especially like on the new Loungefly bag that's coming out on Box Lunch. He's drawn in this like really cartoon Disney-like way. And I'm just like, we need that in a plush. Yeah, he, he so looks like cute. TikTok. Yeah. And one last thing I do want to say, and I know he probably will not hear this, but sincerely, thank you, Tom Hiddleston, for just bringing this character to life and just pouring your, I can tell you pour your whole heart and soul into this series. So I know a lot of your fans truly appreciate all the hard work and dedication that was put in, and especially the cast and crew as well, Kate Heron, Michael Waldron, Eric Martin. The show was fantastic. It was so well written, and it just... It was a treat to watch every week, and I'm going to sincerely miss waking up on Wednesday mornings and watching. So looking forward to season two. Well, we're going to wrap that up. I know this was really long, but hey, this was the show I've been waiting for for like the whole 2021. So anyway, season two of Saturday Morning Serial will be starting on August 7th. So you don't want to miss that out. I'm going to be talking about The Handmaid's Tale, which is a show I've been watching on my spare time. I've been binging it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so blessed be the fruit. Blessed be the fruit. May the Lord open. And I hope you guys have a good week. All right. Bye.